Hey champ, is the Irishman cinema? Happy holidays, film fans. Welcome into another episode of the Second Day Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Wednesday, December 11th, 2019. The Christmas tree is up. The Christmas lights are not up, uh, mostly because I'm still getting used to this homeowner thing and haven't figured out just how to do it. <laughs> but there's no doubt the holidays are in full swing. Hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm Brandon Champion, joined today by my co-host, Mike Nichols. Whose leg is currently being licked by Brandon Champion's dog. Oh that's boy, Fletcher loves to make cameos, uh, hey doesn't buddy. he? Yeah. <laughs> hey buddy. Uh, yeah, that's the third member of the uh, Second Day Film Podcast. <laughs> you, may, you may hear his cameos uh, from Fletcher from time to time. Did you have a good Thanksgiving, Mike? It was very chill. It was very chill. I did nothing. What about you? I went over to the east side, went over to the wife's family, and... Uh, drank some beer, watched some uh, some basketball, some football. Did you watch any movies over Thanksgiving? Because that's a pretty popular thing to do, and this is a movie it's podcast. true. I actually didn't. Uh, all the college football, college basketball was occupying my time. Um, but, you know, I watch movies quite a bit. Just didn't have time for it when I was hanging out with the family, you know. Lots of movies came out this Thanksgiving. A lot of stuff to talk about. What do you want to talk about today, champ? Well, uh, coming up on today's show, Mike and I will both be discussing several films that have come out recently. Actually, all four of which have garnered uh, several high-profile Golden Globe nominations, which just came out and were announced this week. Um, so perhaps these movies are some that you'll want to keep on your radar as we head into awards season. Uh, before we do that, quick reminder about our Facebook page. That's the Second Day Film Podcast. I've uh, been sharing a lot of stuff up there lately, trailers, stories, some fun memes. Uh, Mike so generously invited all of his Facebook friends last podcast, and we've gotten some good response and people joining us. Shout out to all Mike's friends that are now liking the Second Day Film Podcast. Uh, we appreciate your support. Uh, hope it's not too wild and zany for you. Please, please... Chime yeah. in whenever you feel like you're laughing. What, what is going on over there, Mr. Giggs? I, I just think it's funny that we could be considered zany. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, you are zany, if you ask me. I don't know about you. Thanks, Thanks yeah. champ. Yeah. I don't consider zany a bad thing. I think it, I, I just consider it a, a character trait. You know? Character trait. Yeah. Okay. Right. Anyways, we're on uh, Second Day Film on Twitter and Instagram at the Second Day Film Podcast. <laughs> Our old episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. What are you laughing about? <laughs> I would consider your character tra character trait to be loud. <laughs> you need to be loud so people can hear this because people are too cheap to buy two mics so we have to yell around this one. Okay. Are you going to be okay? Can you do this? Yeah, man. I'm just so happy. I, we're going to talk about Marriage Story, which made me so happy. Oh, yeah. Marriage what a, is... What a happy story. Marriage is a beautiful thing indeed. Oh. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's move on to our first film up for discussion here today on December 11th. It is Knives Out, directed by none other than Star Wars fame monster Mr. Ryan Johnson, everyone's favorite, great director. The plot summary on IMDb, a detective investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. This film stars an impressive cast uh, led by Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Ana de Armas, 
Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, and Jaden Martell. Uh, so great cast here, Mike, for this movie. Yeah, how does uh, he balance that? I mean, this is an incredible cast. Like, how do they balance all these talent in the story? Well, it's funny you should ask that, uh, because that's actually one of my first points about this movie, and one thing that I think Ryan Johnson does really well, and one thing that I think is a, a sign of a great director, is being able to get the most out of your cast. Yeah. And with a big movie like this, with a huge cast... A lot of characters, a lot of different personalities on stage. I think that one of the things that Ryan Johnson does really, really well in this movie is he gets the most out of his actors. He, No one really gets left out. Um, every, every character in this movie, they're obviously sharing a lot of screen time, but they all sort of get provided their moment to shine, <laughs> whether it's... Uh, you know, uh, Daniel Craig sort of lurking in the background and doing his Sherlock Holmes shtick as this world-famous Benoit Blanc detective. You know, uh, Tony Collette is sort of like this flower child, uh, aloof uh, in-law of the family. Michael Shannon is doing classic Michael Shannon stuff, where he's <laughs> just like this weird guy. You know, uh, Ana de Armas is uh, sort of just, you know, she's the goody two-shoes, the sort of innocent one. Of the, of the group that sort of gets involved and embroiled in this whole ordeal. So so every character, every actor has their time to shine in this movie, and I think that it's that's really what makes it great because we're dealing with a tangled web of a script here. And to sort of have these characters to go along on this ride together with really helps the movie along. Despite all these great characters, I think the true star of this movie is Ryan Johnson's script. It's a really funny, delightful, clever script um, that sort of allows this delicious cast of characters to really shine. Um, the script has this, they utilize sort of non-linear storytelling where uh, Daniel Craig's character will be interviewing one of the family members and the family member will start talking about where they were on this night of the murder and then us on screen will be watching it happen in real time while they're... Mm -hmm talking in voiceover That's cool. and they use that sort of uh method throughout the first i would say 30 minutes half hour or 45 minutes of the movie to sort of just lay the groundwork and, and set the stage for this ultimate mystery um so so it is a movie that definitely um tries to exploit all the tropes of the classic whodunits you know mm -hmm. it's almost like the clue board game coming to life yeah. i heard some people in the theater talk about how this is like a Almost like an update of Clue, uh, that stupid <laughs> movie from the, I think it was in the 90s or maybe early 2000s. Yeah. This one, I would consider this movie light years better than that. But what I thought was interesting is coming into this, of course, we, we know it's going to be a murder mystery, a classic whodunit. But we actually find out who killed the person pretty early. We, we find out that mystery in the first half hour. Oh, okay. Um, so I was watching this and I was like what the hell? How are they going to have the rest of this movie when we already know what happened? Interesting. Um, and so we already know the end game. So the rest of this movie is sort of figuring out how we got to that end game and how the web was spun. And of course the last scene is, you know, Daniel Craig doing his Sherlock Holmes shtick, like just explaining this person did this and this and this and wait, he did this, but of course he did this. You know, like it's just, He's just hamming it up out there. And he was actually nominated uh, for uh, 
Best Performance Actor Motion Picture in a Musical or Comedy. This movie got um, a lot of nominations for a lot of things. It's a very uh, critically loved movie. Yes, Best Motion Picture and also Anna Darmus, who is sort of like the person who unwillingly gets caught <laughs> in all of this. Um, overall, I just think it was a really clever take on the murder mystery sort of uh, genre. So I know you want to see this one. What, what is okay. it about this one that it has you intrigued? Um, I, I know that like Last Jedi is what it is for a lot of people, but I really do respect Ryan Johnson a lot as a director. Um, he directed, uh, like my favorite episode of Breaking Bad and, uh, he's directed a couple other movies I think were great, like Brick. Um, I, I just thought it looked great. Uh, it's an amazing cast. Um, I like mysteries. I like trying to watch something and trying to figure out what happened. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just I just think overall this would be one I would like. Um, I, I, I'm I'm curious though. So sometimes you watch a mystery movie, and then you know what happens. You know the ending. So the next time you watch it, maybe you're like, oh, you're already kind of spotting the things. So you know mm-hmm. what the clues are and stuff. So, but some people aren't like that. They if they watch a mystery movie, they can't watch it again because they already know the ending, so they're not interested. Some people have that for horror movies too. Yeah. Is this a movie you could watch? Again? Yes, without a doubt. There's. I would love to watch this movie a second time, mm. knowing how it sort of turns out. Because, like I said, I'm going into this thinking, "Oh, we're gonna have to figure out who the killer was." We figure that out pretty early on, and then we have to figure out everything else. And I yeah. think if we were watching for signs and how the characters were behaving and how the actors were behaving in the early portion of the film, knowing how what happens in the end, it would be much more easy. Because actually, in the third act of the film, we see flashbacks. Yeah to the early part of the movie. So it's very connected in that way. And I think it's a tribute to Ryan Johnson, who also wrote this film, that um, this is a murder mystery. People are going into this looking for things. They're looking for clues. They're yeah. looking for you know uh, Easter eggs and ways that they can try and figure out. Like They're already on alert. And why this film is so exceptional is even though I'm looking for that, I still did not see what happens coming. And I think that that is a tribute to how good of a script and how good of a film it is. Because even when you're looking for those little uh, hints and clues, it still, I think, is an original and catches you off guard. Um, and I think that it's a really fun movie to watch because of that. Sure. So um, I ended up giving it an 8.5 out of 10. So it's a solid. Uh, solid review. Definite recommend for Knives Out. All right, moving on to another film that just came out on Netflix recently, um, and it's quite relevant to people like me and Mike as we can uh, set sail on our podcast marriage here. Uh, it is Marriage Story. <laughs> he has a very weird look on his face. Leave after that, that in. Yeah. Don't oh, yeah. leave that in. Yeah. You said that. <laughs> the plot summary on IMDb, Noah Baumbach's incisive and compassionate look at a marriage breaking up and a family staying together. So, uh, this this film was written and directed by Noah Baumbach, as I said. Uh, it stars mostly just two people, uh, Kylo Ren and Black Widow, <laughs> uh, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Um, we get a few other supporting actors, but it's really those two who carry the film. Um, and as I said, it's, it's, it's called Marriage Story, but really this movie is about a divorce. And Mike, you just watched this recently. Actually, we both did. It's only been on Netflix a couple <clears throat> days here. Um, but, but you said you've been thinking about it since you watched it. What was it about this movie that sort of uh, struck you? Oh, man. I watched this last night, and I'm still appropriately sad. Um, it was uh, it's a great movie. I think it's extremely well written and directed. It, it feels like a play when you're watching it. Um, the way, the way it's just like directed and the acting in it, it's really, really good. Um, two, two things really stood out to me while watching this movie is one, 
<clears throat> it it takes themes that you think about through divorce and then illustrates them really well. So one theme, for example, is that the legal system of divorce is Sucks. really not <laughs> well set up in our country. No. And they explore that in a lot of different ways where even two people who really just want a clean, quick, like in the most loving way possible divorce that you can have, the system almost pushes them to try to drag it out in a messy, like combative way. To hate each other. And they really, the, the movie really illustrates that well. So that was something that, you know, I, I've never been married, I've never been through a divorce, but I, I would really be interested to hear uh, people who have been divorced, like see what their take is on that. Because I thought that was like really, really scary well, it's to a think about how much the system can destroy your life. It's a really like grounded in grassroots look at like how annoying and taxing a divorce is. Like yeah. Adam Dreyer, Driver is like so ignorant to the whole process and he's like, yeah. he's trying to figure all this out while still living his life and directing his plays and, and he's doing multiple, we see him doing multiple things at once all the time. He'll be on the phone with someone and like his people will be yeah. trying to talk to him and he's trying to juggle stuff, the cost of living um, and every uh, the cost of going through a divorce is illustrated really well. I got like modern day Kramer versus Kramer vibes. Yep, totally. With this mm-hmm. movie, which I think is important. That movie was groundbreaking because it wasn't afraid to show divorce, which was yeah. sort of like a taboo thing back in the day. I, we need movies, I think, that look at the topic of divorce because you know I don't know what the what the stats are now, but I know we were up close to fifty percent a high. few years ago yeah, they're really of high. how many marriages ended in divorce. This is a real thing that people deal with a lot, and it's particularly kids deal with a lot and i think it's not saying you want to show your kids this movie but maybe if you have like a teenager who's been a kid of a kid of divorce or it it could be helpful to see something like this portrayed on screen well and that kind of leads into the second theme that i really took away from this which is you really have a hard time trying to find the truth about who people are and what really happens in their life and, you know, you're a journalist. I was a journalist. We, we met, like, studying journalism in college together. Like, journalism is all about, like, finding the facts to piece together the narrative history of what actually happened. When you're watching this movie and you're watching the way these two people are experiencing things with each other, and then the way they analyze what they experienced with each other, and the way they both have this interpretation of what we just watched, mm-hmm. and... And then just the, the weird things that come into play that they can't control and then make each other feel a certain way. Um, there's a there's a great scene where the two of them are in a courtroom and all of a sudden everything's kind of being read back of, oh, didn't he do this? Didn't she do this? And those are things that are factually true. That thing factually happened. But it doesn't affect anything else in the narrative and it really is so taken out of context that it's almost a lie. Mm. Even though that thing factually happened. And what I think is so interesting is that it makes you realize you almost can never really know the truth or almost anyone when it comes to what they're telling you about their story. Because you are hearing their perspective on it and like these people are both nice, honest people, but you're watching the movie realizing half the shit they're saying to each other is true. Right. And half of it's actually a very twisted, narcissistic version of the truth. And that is a really scary 
like truth to kind of be presented to, especially when you use the context of divorce to present it. I think it's that hits you. I think it's interesting how you say they're both because we get to see sort of both their perspectives. Yeah, in the we movie. do. Mm-hmm. And one thing that is sort of a key sort of aspect of this film is that Adam Driver is so disconnected and delusional to how Scarlett Johansson actually feels. Right. In their like, he's delusional. Like, yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't realize how miserable she's been. He doesn't realize how how selfish he's been. Mm-hmm. You know, and and over time, she's become so resentful. Uh, because of his inability to realize her struggles, and yeah. and he does things his ways. He like I think that's exemplified for by a line that he says over and over again. We live in New York. He thinks they're like a New York family, like they live in New York. When really she's from L.A. She moved there thinking it was a temporary basis. She does. They did their holidays in L.A. They. Uh, would come to LA. So I think that line is pretty key and it, it comes up a bunch. It's mm-hmm. sort of like exemplify an example of Adam Driver's delusion of how he thinks this marriage is. Well, yeah. we're a New York family when really Scarlett Johansson is just miserable all the time because he refuses to see her weakness. So, uh, or I don't want to say weakness, her side of the, of the sort of or yeah. her insight, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's a really cool sort of, um, just sort of insight into the... I love how it starts, and that ties into this, when they're both saying the things that are so nice about them. You know, they, they're writing down what they like about each other or what they like about their personalities. And then you juxtapose that by the big scene in the apartment when they're just yelling at each other at the top of their lungs. A great scene between oh, the yeah. two of them. They're, they're where, both where they're just yelling yeah. at each other, telling each other how terrible they both are. They're both phenomenal. That and it's, it's just yeah. like marriage in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, you know. I, I think what's scary is that you see how the real core thing to what could have kept their relationship together was proper self-analyzation. Like, Adam fact, Driver's oblivious. Yeah, and, and and in some ways she is too, though. Like, she doesn't even want to read the... Th- like, right. the movie starts out with them trying to read something to each other, and she can't even do it. And she can't even understand why, almost. Um, and he, he also can't understand why. But the thing is, like, self-analyzation, and the other thing is listening. Neither of them is really listening to each other. Right. Like, they're trying to. They're really trying to. But they just can't fully communicate it, and therefore the other two can't really listen. And so if you, if you take away... A person's ability to either listen well or self-analyze well, you lead to the breakdown of any sense of the ability to have true intimacy. Mm-hmm. Which is what's really scary about that is you realize what you're watching like deteriorate in this marriage is literally what's happening to our entire country. Not just with divorce, but with everything, with politics, with religion, with social media. Like we're losing our ability to actually truly know ourselves and know other people. And that is a really scary thing that this movie hit me with. And that's what I was like, that's kind of what I was dwelling on today from it. So I know, you know, that, that, I don't know, maybe that was a, a far reach from, from this <laughs> hey, simple story get, about divorce. You, you but, get what but you get out of it. It's a good piece of art. Yeah, it, This well, was a good movie. I, th- I was so impressed by we it. We should say Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver both nominated for uh, Golden Globes leading Just, actors yeah. in drama. They deserve Laura, it. Laura Dern also nominated for actress in a supporting role. She's great in this as the sort of cutthroat lawyer who's just going for the balls the whole time. Noah Baumbach got best screenplay and Randy Newman's score. Um, is also I fantastic in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's very like subtle, sort of guides you through this sort of tragic, um, but you know, sort of thing. Okay, did you feel like the whole intro to the movie felt like a, you were watching a Pixar movie with real people almost? Yeah, well, Randy Newman did. He's the Toy Story. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. But still, I, I thought it was great the way the music worked out through the movie. What about this line? 
I, this line that kept cracking me up is like all the all of Scarlett Johansson's family and Scarlett Johansson keeps saying. I love LA. There's so much space. <laughs> it's like com- compared to New York. Like yeah, how many times did she say that? Yeah. That was so funny. The space line was really funny, which uh, is not from what I've actually heard from people in LA. Like, yeah, I no, I don't like, think oh, LA is not crowded. Maybe compared at all. to Manhattan, the traffic's great. Yeah, maybe compared to Manhattan. No, yeah, I haven't heard that about. The one thing I wanted to ask you about: the lady who comes to observe Adam Driver and his kid. Uh-huh. How bizarre was that scene? Like, why was this lady so awkward? I don't. I. I don't. I've not ever been part of a like. My parents aren't divorced. I've never been Me divorced. Neither. I've never seen that kind of thing, so I don't know. But if that's what it's really like. No, I understand that it probably happens, but this yeah. lady, like, why did they make her so awkward? Why did they chose to cast her so awkward? Why did they have Adam Driver like <laughs> cut his wrist and then have to like hold it and pass it on the floor? And it was it like turned yeah. into this. It awkward creates, slapstick yeah. offbeat comedy, like it, for yeah, a little bit. That seemed a little awkward within the film to me. I think it creates the tension of, oh, is this person going to be sympathetic to him? You have no idea because they're acting so detached. Mm-hmm. And also, if they're so detached, well, maybe they don't have any feelings. Maybe they can't sympathize. Maybe they can't feel anything for the situation he's in as a dad. And so I think it, I think it was there to create tension and maybe a little bit of lighthearted humor, like. Part of him cutting his arm is a little bit funny. Right. He, he accidentally um, cuts his arm doing something and while he's trying to... Oh, yeah, it's just this little joke I well, have. I'm is, a safe parent and then cuts well, his arm. And there arm, is some humor. Like, oh, there is humor in this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like it's like placed humor. Mm-hmm. And then we go through the movie and then you know we sort of end on, I guess you could say, a happy note, even though they're still separated. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you don't seem to think that it ended happy at all. I think that the ending is bittersweet. But I think, like the more you think about the way that ending is, it's it, it's 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 a grieving ending. It's the loss of something. Right. At least that one, like the very very specific last scene, has a little bit of bitter. But they bitter at least seem like, like they've moved forward. Yeah. Like they at least have realized how they fit into each other's worlds but, now. But the scene right before it, where he discovers something right. and he's reading something. No, that I thought was very, very sad. Yeah, yeah. It's a movie that will tug on your emotions. It's a movie oh, that yeah. is meant to make you feel a certain way and maybe have mixed feelings, but I think overall, uh, two fantastic performances, really well-deserved. Yeah, totally. Um, Bombach knows how to get on sort of these, uh, you know, intimate family dynamic type films. Um, I ended up giving it an 8.5 out of 10 as well. I really like this movie too. Uh, where, where are you at on it? Oh, yeah, I know you hit my grading system. So. Uh, you can grade movies however you want. I, I grade it an A. I'd give that movie an A. Okay, so you you do like A, A plus, right? So it's not your top. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't give it an A plus, I guess. Okay, all right. So go see Marriage a- Story. Uh, both Mike and I agree that it is worthy of all the hype it's been getting. It's on Netflix, so check it out. All right, while we're getting in touch with our feelings, we might as well keep that theme going along. Uh, a film I saw a couple weeks ago... It is called Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This is directed by Marielle Heller and uh, the plot summary in IMDb. Based on the true events of a real-life friendship between Fred Rogers and journalist Tom Junod. Uh, this movie stars Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers, Matthew Rees as the journalist who is renamed Lloyd Vogel in the movie, Chris Cooper, Susan Kalechi Watson of This Is Us fame also appear in this movie. Um, this is a fantastic movie. Again, uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to act like I'm just loving everything lately, but 
Uh, this is the time of year when we get a lot of great movies coming out. Tom Hanks nominated at the Golden Globes for an actor in a supporting role. This movie, much like uh, starts and ends like an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which, of course, uh, if you were alive in the 90s, 80s, 70s, uh, everyone watched Mr. Rogers. He yeah. was like our, our guide through life, our Mr. Jiminy Cricket on our shoulders, guiding us through lives and answering tough questions about, yeah. among many things, divorce. Mm -hmm. um, so this movie starts with Tom Hanks coming in, changing his cardigan, putting on his slippers, and then he starts talking about Lloyd Vogel, his friend Lloyd. And then we're introduced to Lloyd. Um, so we do a little bit of time jumping here. And then the movie will end with Mr. Rogers sort of saying goodbye to Lloyd, too. This movie's called The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Tom Hanks is the most notable actor here. He's playing the most notable person, Mr. Rogers. But at the end of the day, this isn't really a movie about Mr. Rogers. Uh, it's a movie about the reporter and sort of his journey to reconnect with his family and loved ones hmm. um, and just really start caring and having feelings and emotion and empathy again. Um, and Mr. Rogers is just sort of the influential character who he meets and sort of pushes him in the right direction. Um, so uh, people might not expect that when they come in watching this movie, that it's not really about Mr. Rogers. It's not about Mr. Rogers' life. It's just about a... I, honestly, we just get a glimpse into Mr. Rogers in this movie. So, um, with that being said, I know this is another one you want to see, Mike. Your, your list yeah. of your watch list is growing uh, day by day as these movies come out. <laughs> I'm such um, a good partner to you. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I got a film recording. Yeah, I've got a co-host that refuses to go to the theater. But uh, <laughs> what, 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 do you, what have you heard about this movie? I know you want to see um, it. What's the guy I've, you intrigued? I've heard nothing but good things. Tom Hanks is always a win for me. I, I love that right now, at this time in our country's history, a movie about Mr. Rogers... Seems like an appropriately timed uh, message to come back to. Um, I have a couple questions for you about it. Number one question that I have, because it does, this is a movie where journalism is portrayed, a character is a journalist. Mm -hmm. How well does this movie capture professional journalism? Um, it's pretty basic. It, it's not egregious. I wouldn't say that at all. Okay. He goes in with his editor. Um, uh, Tom Junod was hired uh, to be sort of like an investigative reporter, and he considers this a, a puff piece, which it kind of is, mm -hmm. based on the stuff he does. His editor gives him an assignment. He has to go interview him. He calls to set up an interview, um, and Mr. Rogers is the one that calls him directly, okay. which sort of catches him off guard. So I would say the journalism is portrayed adequately in okay. this story. Uh, how how religious is this movie? I've heard this movie actually deals a lot with Mr. Rogers' faith and with like the spirituality that kind of led his his own vision. Of well, life. you can't you can't talk about Mr. Rogers without talking about faith. He was mm -hmm. uh, a minister. He was studying to be an ordained minister, and you see that in Mr. Rogers. He's basically preaching on a surface kid sort of uh, you know cut down level, uh, striped down level every week. But if you watch Mr. Rogers, he's essentially preaching. He's essentially yeah. Um, teaching lessons, he's you know drawing examples and information from other places. Um, this movie didn't strike me as overtly religious. I mean, obviously the themes are there about caring and treating others with respect and um, living a, a wholesome life. Um, but it didn't strike me as overtly religious. Um, if you watch uh, the documentary that came out last year, "Won't You Be yeah. My Neighbor," they get into that a lot more. Um, because it's it's a journal uh, or geez, a documentary about Mr. Rogers, so right. obviously they get a little bit more into his psyche and sort of how he felt and the struggles that he dealt with. The message of this movie to me is, and I don't know if you could call this overtly 
religious, but it's a movie that I think has a message that is very important today. It's a message of love, compassion, caring about people the way they are, living in the moment and giving people your full attention. And, and that's a really important message, especially in today's day and age. And I think that's why this movie has struck a nerve with so many people, because it's such a poignant reminder, um, I think, of, of what most people at least aspire to be and often come short of reaching. Yeah. Um, and, and when you watch this movie, it does make you want to be a better person after you've been done watching it. It's such a crowd pleaser. It's a feel-good flick. Um, and by the end, you just you just want to go help someone. Honestly, what uh, what's Tom Hanks' portrayal like? Is he is he almost doing like a spot on imitation, or has he made it his own in any way? He's doing an imitation. He's mm -hmm. trying to be Fred Rogers, and he he succeeds for the most part. You know, yeah. Fred Rogers speaks in this sort of like quiet, calculated way of speaking, and Tom Hanks channels are pretty good. I mean, he's freaking yeah. Tom Hanks. The guy can do whatever he well, wants. Well, that's such a hard role to play because mm -hmm. he's so well-known and, um, like, a million people watched this man all the time. Mm -hmm. So, when you're doing it, you're not you're not portraying a historical character who we don't know what they look like or we've never heard them talk. Like, that, that's such a, you know, that's such a hard role to kind of jump into because he's so beloved and he's also so seen. Yeah. So, I think, I think yeah. you know, that's why they needed someone like Tom Hanks. He's obviously one right. of the greatest actors of our generation oh, if absolutely. not the greatest yeah um, so i think they trusted him with the role uh this movie is based on tom juno's 1998 article titled can you say hero i think it was in esquire um is where it was published and i really like how this sort of um you know we see his article come out within the movie and the story he writes almost mirrors the story in the movie uh, Susan Kalicha Watson even says it's not really about Mr. Rogers after reading that. And I like that sort of symbolism of this movie's not really about Mr. Rogers either. And I like that his story within it is actually uh, mirrored by that. This is a message for kids, but what you realize is that there's adults deal with all these same challenges too. And um, Lloyd learns that in the movie. I do think people should watch the Won't You Be My Neighbor um, documentary as sort of like a companion film, maybe before seeing this, because that one really makes an effort more to humanize Mr. Rogers and sort mm -hmm. of his flaws. I think Mr. Rogers has become this sort of like bigger-than-life figure. He's almost godlike now. Yeah. He's almost revered as like a perfect person. Yeah. And of course, he's not a perfect person. No. He had his flaws. He had his issues. He had a temper, as uh, we find out. But that documentary does a better job of sort of, um, you know, showing his flaws and showing the things he dealt with outside of the show. This film only really touches on it on a little bit uh, through some conversations between Lloyd and Mr. Rogers' wife or through uh, the end we see Mr. Rogers sort of slam all his hands down on a piano, which is an allusion to a conversation he has with Lloyd earlier in the film. Um, yeah. So it's only sort of touched on. So I would recommend people to sort of watch this documentary before because that one is sort of more of an all-encompassing look at Fred Rogers, whereas this is almost just like a snapshot where he sort of appears. Um, but overall, there's some really, truly beautiful scenes in this film. Uh, there's great music. There's um, And it's just got a great message. It's, it's a great message in a movie that people need to watch. So... Um, I don't know, you got anything else you want to add? I can't wait to watch it. You should. And do a review of it on this podcast. Uh, well, we'll see if we let you, because you missed your window. I told you, you're going to have to go see movies if you want to get your window. I watch movies on Netflix. Yeah, great. You, admit, you and every other person in the world. Anyways, 
Thanks for being here, Mike. We love you. Thanks. You too. I love you. I care about you. And I like you. You're only saying that because Mr. Rogers made you say it. I like you just the way you are. Anyways, 8.5 out of 10. That seems to be my theme of the day here. So go check it out. You'll feel good. Hey, champ. Is the Irishman cinema? All right, moving on to our final film here on today's episode. I guess you could call it our featured review. It's one of the most highly anticipated films of the year. It's been several years in the making. It comes from the great Martin Scorsese. It is called The Irishman. The plot summary on IMDb. A mob hitman recalls his possible involvement with the slaying of Jimmy Hoffa. This film stars an incredible cast of legendary actors led by Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. We also get Harvey Keitel, Ray Romano, Bobby Cannavale, Anna Paquin, Stephen Graham, uh, Jack Houston, Jesse Plemons makes a small appearance. Um, we have we have great cast here once again. Yeah, the usual Tremendous. band is together minus Leo uh, for uh, Scorsese and um, <laughs> typical Scar- Scorsese film here, Mike. Um, the Irishman, Nichols, Nichols, you got Irish in you? Just yeah, a little, a little bit, bit somewhere. Yeah. What about you? Everyone's got a little Irish in them, don't they? Everyone. I definitely do uh, on Saturdays. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) I know you love this film. I know you said you watched it twice already. That's like seven hours of your life you can never get back. You could drive all the way to Marquette in that time. So um, what did you think? I loved this movie. I gave it an A+. Wow. I think this movie is one of... uh, Martin Scorsese's greatest directing achievements. Saying a lot. I think the casting was phenomenal, and it used technology in a in the right way to do the aging thing. Technology is definitely a big uh, aspect we yeah. have to talk about. Uh, it wasn't perfect, no, but they did it right. No, yeah, they did it right. Yeah, uh, best motion picture drama. Al Pacino and Joe Pesci both nominated in supporting roles. Scorsese got best uh. director. And the screenplay for uh, Steven Zion, um, also nominated at the Golden Globes. Uh, this movie is directed, or directed, this movie is based on the book, I Heard You Paint Houses. And I think that's actually the title that appears at the start of the movie, right? On, yes. on screen. It's... And I believe at the end, too. Right. We don't um, actually see the Irishman on screen, do So we? the book came out in 2004, and it is the story of Frank Sheeran, who was um, a mafia hitman. Played confessed... by Robert De Niro. Yep, and he confessed to the crimes of working for the Buffalino crime family. And he is the one who said that he did kill Jim... Jimmy Hoffa. Right. Which was a huge mystery for years. Unconfirmed because they haven't actually found his body. Yeah. Right? Well, what he what he said is that you know he shot him in the head and then that they um, cremated the body. Which Jimmy Hoffa disappeared. No one's ever found his body. So it's a very, you know, it's it, it's very credible that this could have been what really happened right. to Jimmy Hoffa. It's at least one. At least we have a, an explanation yeah. of some sort. And and I uh, did you watch the In Conversation on Netflix? I did. Okay, yeah. So that yeah. gave me some insight into it. And I heard Martin Scorsese say, um, uh, you know, he said, we don't know if this is what happened, but it's just a version of what might have happened. Yeah. You know, he doesn't seem concerned if it's the truth or not. They're just making a movie. Yeah. Um, but obviously fantastic acting in this movie. You said it was brilliantly cast. We'll get to the technology in a second. This is classic Scorsese in the mm-hmm. way the camera moves. It's sort of, you know, in the way it pans across rooms or follows yeah. guys through rooms. Um, the film feels so natural. 
and it should because these are guys doing what they do. This is what Pesci and De Niro and Scorsese and Keitel and this is what these guys do. Pacino, they play gangsters. The yeah. film feels natural. Like these guys could be doing this wherever they are. The world feels lived in and real. The production design is fantastic. We really step into this world when the movie begins. Yes, we do. Um, this movie does a great job of not only telling a very like stretched out narrative. I mean, this covers a lot of years and a lot of different things that happen, not only with the inner workings of this family, but also the social impacts and then also the personal lives. Like it's, there's a reason it's a long movie. So much stuff, they fit into this thing. And um, one thing I did, you were kind of mentioning the way it was filmed. I, I did really love a lot of the little moments that he just kind of shows you what happens because it makes you feel like you're living through it with them. It okay. gives the experience of this is that life. This right. is what it's really like. It's, it's not natural, It's not always yeah. glamorous. There's not always this epic music and stuff. Sometimes it's just this moment of, okay, you got to find the car. Where is it? You got to sit here for a while. You got to get in this thing and you don't know. And like sometimes he slows down in very appropriate moments just to make you feel the boring tension of the dark world that those guys lived in. Doesn't this movie almost feel like it's almost like Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and Joe Pesci sort of reflecting on their own lives and yeah. careers? Doesn't, yeah, it isn't does. that what this sort of movie feels like? It, like It's almost like they're just like looking back at their greatest hits through portraying these guys. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense or... Maybe oh, I'm not saying it. No, enough, I know what you mean. Other, other reviewers have even commented on that. In some ways, like this is Scorsese's reflection of his own gangster films. And right. for all of them, it really does feel like a movie that looks back on the crime lifestyle. Not that they're movies I really ever felt like, you know, portrayed them as good moral people or anything or, or super glorified it at all. But it definitely does show that that life does not lead to satisfaction. Right. And that those people are not whole, like, healthy, cool people who would be socially, you know, entertaining to be around outside of their own context. Right. Even um, look at a film like Goodfellas where yeah. Ray Liotta's character technically does get out of it scot-free yeah. after a while. But the last scene is him, now I'm just some other boring schlub living my life. So even he, even though he's yeah. out of it doesn't really live a happy life. I think that's a yeah. common theme mm-hmm. throughout Scorsese's movies. Yeah. You know, Casino, Raging Bull, Taxi Driver. No one ever ends up happy. Crime doesn't pay. Yeah, crime yes. doesn't pay. Doesn't Go pay the kids. Fred Rogers way, not the Martin Scorsese way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you brought you brought up the technology. They use a state-of-the-art, anti-aging sort of effect in this movie. As you yeah. mentioned, it's a big, sprawling film that takes place over several decades. Uh Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci are no spring chickens, uh, as you can see in that in that in conversation. They all look very old. Yeah, uh, and they obviously are old. They've been acting for decades, so they use this anti aging sort of technology. Which um, I saw in that in that conversation, Martin Scorsese. You know, he said it's a worthy experiment. He sort of yeah. compared to using it to sort of when they used John Hurt in Elephant Man, and mm-hmm. he gave some other examples, and how this is just sort of like the next stage in the evolution of sort of special effects and makeup. Um, so how did you think that worked in the film? Uh, there was a meme that I believe I shared with you that you shared on our Facebook, which is just the uh, the image of Creed from The Office with dyed hair saying, I'm 30, and it's like, oh, that's kind of what Robert De Niro looks like in The Irishman sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's kind of true. Right. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but it does exactly what it's supposed to do, where it puts that guy's face 
into the form of a younger a younger enough self where, where you just track with it. So I, I don't think these things have to be necessarily precise, perfect. They just have to be good enough to where it's not like distracting. Right. And I don't think it um, was. No, I don't think it's it was. not distracting. I did find it hilarious. Uh, they were talking about how the challenges that like De Niro and Pacino would have. Um, when they would be like acting in the younger years, oh, yeah. and they wouldn't get up fast enough, yeah. or they yeah. wouldn't move fast enough, they that weren't spry enough. Yeah. Like Pacino didn't get up from the chair when he's yelling, you know, I never should have paid Nixon for <laughs> and he doesn't get up off the chair fast oh, enough. Man. And I will say, Pacino Pacino's is great. my favorite character. He's great. I think it's my favorite performance is him as Jimmy Hoffa. In my opinion, I just loved the way he delivered the lines. I loved that he thought he was like this untouchable guy. Well, they can't do that. They, they would never. They wouldn't dare. They wouldn't dare. I love. Okay, there's he that, is my favorite performance. He's just hamming it up the whole time. That scene where he's yelling at all of his guys, like "you idiots" and stuff, and then he he can't even get the words out. There's a moment where he's yelling at them, and then he just stops and puts his head down, looks up, and kind of smiles at them. Because he's so annoyed, and then puts his head back down again, mm-hmm. gives himself a pause, and then continues yelling. It the moment just made me laugh so much. Al Pacino is a legend in this movie. Right, he's so great. And and the other guys are good too, but Pacino's oh, yeah. playing a much more reserved role than he usually uh, is. He's yeah. sort of like a more like it's scary, like calculating gangster more so than like a hothead that we've seen him yeah, in the he's, past. He's so scary, quiet because you know how you know how well he can blow up and he can be an intense character. Mm-hmm. So to watch him be like quiet more calculating character he does it very very well yeah but it's it's a little bit extra scary because you're like yeah because he could be just as destructive as uh-huh. any of his other characters he just does it in a much smarter way quite yeah. frankly every every scene with him and the daughter creeped me out so much yeah he's so great in that my favorite scenes are between uh tony pro and jimmy hoffa tony pro played by stephen graham and oh, uh, yeah, Al Pacino, yeah, yeah. and they sort of meet, they obviously hate each other. I thought those were the best. Yeah. I thought that was some of the best interaction of the movie when they were together. Yeah. Um, what else? You got anything else? Um, I I think two two other people I would mention were great were Jesse Plemons. Uh, very small role, but he weirdo you know, Jesse Plemons. He takes. He's great. I love him. He everything he does, he does well. Does he even say two lines in this? Yeah, movie, or is he has the whole conversation weird? about the fish. Oh yeah, the fish. That's, That's like the only thing he iconic. talks about. Iconic. You're oh, yeah, iconic, Jesse Plemons. I love fish. you. I don't know what. How does it look like? Yeah, what is the point the of fish that? Fish store. What is yeah, the point uh, of that? It was. It was just a, a tension breaking moment, <laughs> and uh, it also showed how that character's involvement couldn't have been relevant yeah. it also may, makes you feel a little tense because you're wondering wait why why did he get the fish wait right. what is the in all this moment why was the fish necessary and they, they keep talking about the smell you're like is it, are they are they trying to throw off the smell in the car because there's like a fish smell so people aren't like oh what's this if there's going to be a body in the car or something you don't know you don't know what's going to happen um the other person i would say i had a feeling anna, something bad was going to happen yeah to anna, anna pack <laughs> Um, okay. she plays um, the Irishman's daughter in this the older uh, version of the daughter and um, some people kind of were frustrated that she didn't get uh, almost any lines she she does get one line though which I love that it's the only I actually kind of love it's the only line she speaks because it really just summarizes the daughter um, uh, do, do you know what the only line she says is? Uh, I don't remember no. it's, it's why <laughs> she says why which is the great question that children of men like that ask. It's mm-hmm. really the question, and it's the it's the real great reflection of this movie is why. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we, Jimmy had to do so. Like, we had to kill him and stuff. But really, what is the point of all this? What's the point of living like this? Of taking lives? Of doing these CD deals? Like, well, to protect your family. 
And then by the time you're done, your family wants something to do with you. That's ultimately like, like what we were talking about. That Marty yeah. loves to tell stories about tragic figures. Yeah. He loves to tell stories, almost cautionary tales yeah. of of guys who think they're tough and rough and tumble, but you don't want to end up like this in the end. No, yeah, you don't. Um, and I think that, that that is really, honestly, what the what he's getting to, the core of what he's getting to. Which is why I think people complain about the length of the movie, but that's important that the nursing home scene needs to be long. Mm-hmm. You need to live with that for a while. You need to stay there to feel the slowness suddenly of this, to feel the lack of interest, the lack of the people he's talking to, the lack of anything really happening. Because you need to stay with that feeling or how depressing it is this, it when they're all sitting in yeah. prison in like yeah. their wheelchairs and crap. It's like, oh, yeah. this is not a life that you want to live. This really is, you mentioned how Anna Paquin doesn't get a lot of screen time. It's no. really a movie about the old boys club. I mean, this is a guys driven movie, honestly. Um, it's a guy's world, a man's world that they're living in. Um, and I think that that's kind of where Marty was going with it. He doesn't seem too concerned about uh, giving too much of the female perspective, at least in this movie. They're kind of just there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the movie is named The Irishman. It is their story, but uh, yeah, I would say that um, that the that when the women do talk, it's, it is the female characters. It's it's so meaningful, and and they offer the perspective that all these guys are missing. They're like, oh, well, I was just trying to protect. And then you know, the daughter is like, Dad, we could never go to you. We couldn't right. go to you. It's like. Finally, someone's like the, the, Unfor- women, the female characters always speak great truth in this movie. Unfortunately, it doesn't change any of their behavior. So, one other thing, yeah, one other touch mistake. I liked was uh, every time like random people would come on screen and they would say like, "So like how they died." Yeah, that's <laughs> like, great. shot in the head seven times. So it, that, again, that just sort of goes to create this atmosphere of these are a bunch of idiots who are mm-hmm. all on a destructive path to nowhere. Yep. and I think that that just helps reinforce that. So. Um, Long time coming. I'm glad this movie got made. This might be the last time we see these guys all together. I think it's there's a pretty good possibility it's the last time we're going to see all these guys. I think the movie. Together. I think the but, movie also is kind of. It it's nice to at least see something. Try to address the question of hey, whatever did happen to Jimmy Hoffa? Like those little unsolved mysteries of history. Um, you know whether this is what happened or not. It's pretty credible to me in my mind that this is probably what happened. He was killed by the mob. He was shot and then cremated. You don't um, think he's hanging out with Tupac somewhere? No. Well, no, I don't. Well, um, but I also like that this movie also, it brought in the aspect of Kennedy was probably killed by the mob too. <laughs> like, let's, you know, let's not let's not say the Kennedy family had no ties I like the that we get the, the perspective crime. of someone who hates the Kennedys in this because I feel uh, like we yeah. always see the Kennedys are like, you know, it's like Golden Boy... You know, everyone loves no, the Kennedys. They had, their, they had their hands in a lot of different cookie jars. Right. Yeah. Anyways, I'm glad this movie got made. It's fun to watch. I don't yeah. know if I can watch it again. I probably should. You, but uh, you gonna watch it a third time? Maybe. Or you gonna move on to something else? <laughs> Maybe. Why? Why watch other? Why watch new movies when I can watch the good ones? I know. Exactly. Exactly. Anyways, that's the Irishman. I gave this an 8.5 out of 10 too. Mike says he gives it an A plus. So. Uh, hard to beat that, really. Um, I ride pretty much have a nine-point scale, so it's an almost perfect movie for me. Go check out The Irishman. It's on Netflix. Hey, champ. Can I ask you a question? What's up? Is The Irishman cinema? <laughs> you want me to put that in the beginning? I don't care. <laughs> I waited till the end to say it, so if you really wanted to cut it, you could cut I it. I know. You should have threw that in earlier. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I would say it's cinema. Yeah, well, duh. <laughs> I cannot stand pretentious. Like, I am pretentious, but I also appreciate, you know, 
blockbusters too. I cannot believe Marty would say something like that. that was do, you, do you think his quotes probably got pulled a little bit out of context though? I think they, maybe, I think they but he did. said what he said. He went back and clarified what he was saying too. And I don't disagree with his point that the MCU movies are changing the way the Hollywood industry is building like their, 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 you know, their film catalog now. That, yeah. But it's not like we weren't doing that before the MCU. It changed it a lot. Well, it changed it to where we're going to create these big universes now. Yeah. I mean, it, every studio is trying to mimic that now. But yeah, but and I don't, but I don't think it is fair to say, oh, they're, they're not real movies because Endgame, like every, everyone in that movie uh, was crying, like when we all left. Like, it's a fantastic movie. It's a great, it's a great, powerful movie. Yeah. Anyways, let's do the sending. Appreciate y'all for listening. Go check out these movies. Uh, a lot of good reviews today. A lot of good scores. A lot of good stuff coming out lately. Mike's all fired up to go see Star Wars coming out soon here. Yeah, I can't uh, wait. Well, and I'll obviously check it out, too. <laughs> can't wait to see all the Star Wars fans hate on Star Wars material. Anyways, check us out on Facebook at the Second Day Film Podcast. Check out our episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Second Day Film. And like our Instagram page at the Second Day Film Podcast. We'll have a new episode here soon. We'll try and get one more in before the holidays or before Christmas, but if not, we'll be back shortly after. And uh, we'll definitely, definitely look forward to some Star Wars. Yeah, it's we'll definitely a... do Star Wars. I'll also try to go see the other one that you really wanted me to say, the one you just saw. Oh, Parasite. Yeah, Parasite. Parasite we'll try to do Parasite film. next, too. Yeah, Parasite is another film I just saw that I'm really eager to talk about when we wanted to wait for Mike. But anyways, appreciate everyone for listening. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies.